seek him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. Presenting Marius Goring, star of the motion picture Red Shoes, as Baroness Orpsey's immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Adventures are the Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring as Sir Percy Blakeney. Among the many French aristocrats who had fled from the terror to London was one Marcel Bouvelet. He was an old man now, but in his time he had been a person of great importance, a general in the army of Louis XVI. Tony Dewhurst and I had met him several times, but only in the most casual way. And it was with some surprise that we received a pressing invitation to visit him one evening. Out of curiosity, we went. Most retired generals are noted for their bluntness. And before we had been there five minutes, we discovered Bouvelet was no exception. Cards on the table. You are members of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Ah, <laughs> listen to him, Tony. <laughs> oh, my dear general, you don't seriously suggest that. Why, Danny, sir... Those fellas a little better than a pack of brawling ruffians. Not at all sure we shouldn't be offended, eh, Tony? Deeply offended. I see you are determined to be difficult. Gentlemen, I am an old soldier. I have fought in seven wars. I may have my shortcomings. Indeed, I admit them freely. But I do know men of action when I see them. So I beg of you, let us have done with this masquerade. Let us be frank. For I have a matter of importance to discuss. Well, I can end it. I understand I've sprung this on you a little too abruptly. Or you must forgive a blunt old man... Perhaps you would like a moment alone for consultation. I will leave you. No, don't go. What do you think, Tanny? Oh, might as well take a chance, I suppose. Oh, I don't see what we can lose. What is this matter of importance, General? Ah, that's better, much better. So, you admit your identity. For the time being, let us say we don't deny it. I am no splitter of straws, gentlemen. No juggler of words. If you do not deny, then you must admit. All right. We admit our identity. Excellent. Now that we understand each other, we can get down to business. Uh, but first, I want you to meet my man, Laurent. Uh, will you be so good as to ring that bell, please? Uh, certainly. I must tell you, Laurent has been with me 30 years. He was first my personal servant, then the majordomo of my chateau in the Loire, and now... Well, I, I do not know exactly what you would call him. Uh, your right-hand man, perhaps? Oh, my right-hand man, my left-hand man, my everything man. <laughs> you wish to see me, General? Because I wish to see you, why else should I ring? These are the two, Laurent, the two I told you of. Lord Anthony Dewhurst and uh, Sir Percy Blakeney. Your very humble and obedient servant, gentlemen. Sit down, Laurent. But, General... Thirty years and still you have not learned to obey an order without question! Sit down, I say! Yes, General. That is better. Now, gentlemen, first, you must know that when I fled from the terror, I was obliged to leave behind many of my most cherished and valuable possessions. Many others had to do the same, I'm Oh, yes, yes, yes. Among the things I dared not break was a diamond necklace which belonged to my wife. We should explain, monsieur, that the general's wife, heaven rest her soul, has been dead now these 20 years. Yes, oh, I will do all the explaining. Yes, general. 
was a very valuable necklace, a gift from the king himself. To live in England is expensive for a person like me. An English gentleman who knows of this necklace has offered me for it 100,000 pounds. Whew, it must be valuable. So much money would settle all my debts and uh, assure my comfort in my last years. For the sake of sentiment, I would prefer not to sell, but <laughs> as your proverb has it, beggars cannot be choosers. The one difficulty, of course... Is that you haven't got the necklace. Exactly. Hmm. To the best of my knowledge, it still lies hidden behind a secret panel in my bedroom of the chateau where I secreted it when I fled. Who occupies your chateau now? Oh, that I cannot say. However, you will begin to understand now why I have said for you. You want us to recover this necklace for Precisely. you? It needs men of your stamp, men of courage and skill. I am sorry, General. The answer is no. No? You obviously misunderstand the purpose of the League. Our concern is with the saving of human lives, not of baubles. Is there no way I can persuade you, none at all? Well, I must say the idea of recovering a necklace from under the very noses of our friends of the commune has its uh, intriguing side, eh, Tony? And uh, since we would be saving life, the general's life. Well, do you think we might strike a bargain? Oh, why not? I'm sick and tired of all the social slippers of London. I'd... I'd welcome almost anything that offers a little excitement and action. My dear Tony, you echo my own sentiments precisely. When do you wish us to start, General? Then you agree? On one condition. Uh, you know you only have to name it. For ourselves, we wish for no payment. But as you may guess, the League is always in need of funds. When we have delivered you the necklace and you have sold it, perhaps you may care to make a, a small donation. Nothing would give me greater happiness. Then it's a bargain. Gentlemen, I... Uh... I am an old man with no facility for words, and so if my, my gratitude seems inadequate, please believe it is nonetheless sincere. Yeah, save your thanks till we've done the job. We may fail, you know. I refuse to admit the possibility of failure, particularly as you will have Laurent to help you. Laurent? But of course the whole thing would be impossible without him. He will be your reconnaissance unit. He will spy out the land, acquaint himself with the disposition of the enemy forces, report back to you, and you will then plan your attack accordingly. Thank you. But if you'll forgive me saying it, Laurent isn't a young man anymore. Sure, I'm only 52. Yes, Laurent! Yes, General. And this little adventure may prove to be not only arduous, but dangerous. I assure you, gentlemen, to Laurent, a little danger is the spice of life. I will be happy to accompany you, monsieur. And so it was arranged. Bouvelet's chateau was a few miles outside Tours, about 150 miles inland from the port of Saint-Nazaire. The three of us, Tony, Laurent, and myself, journeyed by a small schooner to Saint-Nazaire, and there Laurent left us and went on ahead, after we'd arranged a rendezvous with him three evenings later at a village inn close to the chateau. We reached the inn at the appointed time, engaged a room, and within half an hour, there was a knock at the door. Come in. Good evening, monsieur. I saw you arrive, but I thought it wise to wait a short time. Ah, sensible precaution. Well, Laurent, have you managed to learn anything yet? Yes, monsieur. I have learned a great deal. Oh, splendid. The chateau is occupied now by a certain citizen flamand. Oh, who's he? Oh, he's the mayor and head of the civil administration of Tours. A gross and cruel man, so I'm told. Much hated by the people. And probably corrupt, too. I have heard that said also. They're built to a pattern, these advocates of liberty, equality, and fraternity. Well, who else is at the chateau? I dare say there's a Madame Flamand, a brood of little Flamands. No, he's celibataire, what you call a bachelor. Good, that might make things a little easier. It's simple enough to fool an adult, but children sometimes have an uncanny knack of perception. Well, 
Now the question is, what's our best way of getting into the chateau? If you will pardon me, monsieur, I think I have exactly the solution you want. You have? Splendid. Well, let's hear it, Laurel. Today I chance to be in conversation with one of the servants of the chateau. This Flamand is a difficult man. People dislike to work for him, and so he's always short of staff. At the moment, I'm told he's in need of a footman and a valet. Hmm. It sounds promising. <laughs> you should be a perfect footman. I'm sure you'd make an excellent valet. Mm-hmm. Shall I lay out the black velvet or the brown, sir? And uh, which wig would you prefer tonight? Oh, uh, uh, shoes, sir. The silver <laughs> buckles or the gold? Oh, to the man aboard. <laughs> well, uh, well, Laurent, you seem to have taken care of it all very nicely. Thank you. Well, assuming we do get to the chateau, the next point is how do we locate the necklace? And how do we recover it? As for locating it, sir, I give you some aid there, too. Good Lord. In fact, I've already drawn for you a plan of the chateau. What? Here it is. No, no, you're indispensable. <laughs> for many years with the general, I've learned the value of a properly planned campaign. Now, here are the main floor. The various rooms I have marked. However, they are not important. The important room is this one here on the first floor. The second to the left from the head of the stairs. That is Flamand's bedroom. And uh, presumably that is where the necklace is hidden? Correct, monsieur. The walls are of wood paneling. In the third panel to the right of the fireplace, in the bottom left-hand corner, there is a hidden spring. If you press this panel, it will open. And there we will find the necklace? Let us hope so, indeed. It all sounds very easy, I must say. I have an uncomfortable feeling it may be just a little too easy. However, we can try. Next morning, in disguise as residents of Tours, we presented ourselves before Citizen Laubert. So, you are looking for work, huh? Uh, yes, sir. What are your names? Uh, I am Pierre Dupré, sir. And I am Jacques Renoir. The paper? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Seems to be in order. Previous experience? Oh, sir, at two years as footman with Monsieur Vidoc of Angers. Vidoc? Never heard of him. Oh, you, he had very good connections with the government, sir. Very rich. A loyal citizen of the Republic. I should hope so. Why did you leave? Dismissed for incompetence, I dare say. Oh, no, sir. Well, Monsieur Vidocq died last month. The, the widow had no place for me. Oh. And you, fellow? What's your experience? I was Monsieur Vidocq's valet for four years, sir. Oh, this man Vidocq seems to have been in a very comfortable circumstances. Oh, he was, sir. Great friends with Monsieur Chauvelin. Well, very generous, too, with his money, sir. Don't expect generosity from me. I don't pamper my servants. I expect them to work. Yes, sir. Does that mean we are engaged, sir? Well, I do not imagine for a moment either of you two going to be any good. Servants they are these days. However, you'll be better than no one, I suppose. You will report for duty at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. That evening, we had arranged to see Laurent again at the inn. But it was after midnight when he arrived. His manner told us at once that something had gone wrong. Monsieur, I'm sorry, but I must get away from here tonight at once. Oh, what's happened, Laurent? I've been recognized. Recognized? Yes, and as you know, I was here for a number of years with the general. There are many people in the village who would remember me. Until this evening, I was able to keep away from them. And then the most diabolical mischance occurred. What? As I was coming towards the inn, taking care I should not be seen, a man stepped out of a doorway almost into my arms, as it were. A man you knew? Yes, an old enemy of mine, a certain Sergeant Leroux. A scoundrel, if ever there was one. He realized who you were? At once, monsieur. I tried to think of some plausible explanation for my presence, but... It was obvious he was suspicious. Well, could this Leroux have any possible idea why you're here? Or that you're connected with us? I don't see how he could. Well, in that case, we're in no greater danger than we were. After all, we came here for a necklace. So we shall stay till we get it.
Tony and I began our duties at the chateau. Obviously, as Lambeau Valley, Tony had a much better chance than myself of getting the necklace. Indeed, when we were able to meet about noon, I fully expected to hear you already had it. But, no. The trouble is, I can't get at the panel. Why not? Well, Lombard must have moved all the furniture around when he took possession. It, it's blocked by the head of the bed. Couldn't you have moved the bed? Oh, my dear fellow, it's a huge affair in carved wood with a great canopy. It must weigh half a ton. I did my best to shift it, but it wouldn't move an inch. But could two of us move it? About, perhaps? Well, go to the scullery and borrow a broom. Say your master's bedroom is dusty and you want to sweep it out. Yes? Yes. Well, then you start to sweep. And be very thorough about it. Move everything in the room. Chests, tables, chairs, the lot. Sweep behind them, over them, through them, under them, as though you're giving the place a real spring cleaning. When you try to move the bed, you well, you can't. About this time, I shall just be passing outside the door, and you call me to help you. Oh, that seems simple enough. Well, off you go. I'll give you ten minutes, and then find some excuse to go upstairs. Right. It was perfectly simple, bound to succeed. But no... I sauntered upstairs. I passed Lambert's bedroom. Tony called me in for help. I joined him. we just about broken our backs, carting the bed clear from the wall when the door opened. Well, what is going on uh, in here? You're a footman. You're not supposed to be in this part of the house. I'm very, very sorry, I'm sure, sir. It's not Pierre's fault, sir. I asked him to help me. Help you do what? Well, shift this bed, sir. It's too heavy for me alone. Well, why do you want to shift it? To sweep underneath it, sir. Nonsense. What do you think this is, a lady's boudoir? Well, I like to keep things clean, sir. Monsieur Vidocq used to insist on me sweeping beneath his bed at least once a week. Oh, yes, of course. Of course, it was a much smaller one than oh, me. Oh, Much lighter. A Flemish designer. Fancy, or... No, no. Scandinavian. I do not care if it was Chinese. I am not interested in Monsieur Vidocq's bed. Oh, no, sir. Nor do I see the slightest necessity for sweeping under this one. Oh, you'd be amazed how the dust gathers. Oh, so they never with the dust of you two. Anyhow... I have another job for you. I have some documents to be delivered to the clerk of the courts in Tours. Here they are. You're to take them to him at once. Uh, yes, sir. And do not tarry on the way. No, sir. As for you, Dupre, remember you're a footman. Yes, sir. Your duties are downstairs. Yes, sir. Do not let me see you in this part of the house again. No, sir. A couple of idle good for nothing. Yes, sir. I knew it as soon as I clapped eyes on you. I'll be very surprised if either of you last a week. Off you go now. Yes, sir. Go on, get out of here. Oh, yes, sir. Certainly, sir. after dark when Tony returned from tour. Lambert was entertaining guests and I was kept busy, first at the table and later replenishing their glasses as they sat at cards. Eleven o'clock had struck before Tony and I were able to meet and I realized at once that all was not well. We've got to find that necklace and get out of here as soon as possible. What's the hurry? Well, Lombard suspects... Oh, nonsense. How could he? Well, on the way into tour, I took the liberty of opening the letters I was to deliver. Uh, one of them was an instruction to the clerk of the court to make inquiries in Angers regarding our supposed employer, Monsieur Vidocq. Because he, he won't get a reply for a day or so, but when he does... That, that'll be properly in the fire, yes. Yes, we must act tonight. Yes, but when? It's no good waiting until the guests have gone and Lambert's gone to bed. Oh, that'll be fatal. But it must be now. Just say it! Where's the general? I, I'm here, sir. Yes, sir. Bring another bottle of wine. Yes, sir. At once, sir. Go straight up to the bedroom and wait for me there. I'll join you as soon as I possibly can. And when we've got the necklace? We'll wait till the house has settled down to sleep. Then we'll creep out and down to the village, get hold of some horses, put as many miles between us and this place as we possibly can. Six hours start and decent mounts, they'll never catch us beside it yet. It was another half hour before I judged it safe to leave Lombard and his guests. Making sure I was unseen, I hurried upstairs and into the room where Tony was waiting. I, I began to think you were never coming. I'm sorry, I couldn't get away before. Come on, let's get to work. I, I think the best way. 
way is to pull it directly out from the wall by its feet. It's too heavy. Well, I'll take this side. You take the other. Oh, right, let's try it. Ready? Yes. A good, steady heat. So we hurried to the stables. What do you fellows want out here? Captain Fratinet and Citizen Beauregard are ready to leave. They want their horses saddled. Does it take two of you to tell me that? We thought that you might like some help. Kind-hearted all of a sudden, aren't you? No law against doing a good turn, misère. Is this the Captain Saddle? You leave them saddles alone. I am in charge of the saddles. It'll do me own job in my own time. See, you get back and tell Captain what's his name and Citizen who's it. They can have their nags in five minutes, sir. Sorry, but we can't wait that long. Bless my soul, Tony. You're becoming quite adept at that sort of thing. Our practice makes perfect, they say. Wonder who saddles who. Never mind about that, you fool. Grab the first one you see. We're not out of here in two minutes. We're done for. I'll take this. You take that. Whoa, bad boy. Whoa. Take it easy. Because it just sat the the ball. Lama must have come too. I'll wager he's screaming for our blood. Are you ready, Blakey? Just about. So am I. Good. Let's go. For a few seconds, as bullets whistled around us, it was touch and go. But we managed to get clear. In another minute or so, we were out of the chateau grounds and on the road to Tours. Through the town, we galloped at full stretch. Then beyond it, we turned north on the main road to Le Mans, our ultimate destination, Dieppe. 200 miles away. A short distance outside tour, he stopped for a breather. Oh, we've given him the slip. I'd not gamble on it. Oh. If I know Lombard, he's a pretty tenacious customer. Oh, at least he's no idea who we were or, or why we were at the chateau or which way we were likely to be headed. I wouldn't gamble on that either. Lombard's no fool. Oh, he's oh. bound to have heard rumors of that necklace from time to time. By now he's probably put two and two together. Yeah, that's all right. Listen. I don't hear anything. Yes, I do, by Joe. Horses. At least a half dozen of them. And coming this way. The chase is on, Tony. I have an idea we're going to have a very interesting trip to the end. With frequent changes of mounts, and with only one or two brief rests, we reached the end late the following night. Our pursuers had pressed closely all the way. There was no time to lose. We went straight to Jean Colbert's cottage. A boat, Jean. Hmm? We must have a boat for England at oh, once. Oh, bien, monsieur. I have one ready for you in uh, half an hour. That's no good. We need it in ten minutes. 
Less if it's possible. Oh, no, no, no. The store's to be attended to, sir. Never uh, mind about that. What we want is a boat. It is a pity you weren't here four hours ago, sir. I sent off a friend of yours then, a man who called himself Laurent. I assure you, Jean, if we could have been here four hours ago, we would have been. Anyhow, it's good to know Laurent got away safely. He had ridden quite a distance, he told me. He was very tired. Never mind about that, Jean. For heaven's sake, get us the boat. Yeah, monsieur. All right, sir. You come with me, huh? It was a black night on the quay. And all we could see was the bobbing of Jean Colbert's lantern as he prepared the boat for us. Then, just as he had called for us to embark, it happened. The flood of running footsteps. Black shapes emerging suddenly from the darkness. Look out, Percy! Hands gripped at me. Fists rained on me from every direction. I fought back desperately, punching with all my might whenever a face loomed out of the blackness. Then, something crashed on my skull. There was an explosion inside my head. I came to, I was lying in a small boat. I shook my head, looked about me. Tony was seated a few feet away from me, at the tiller. Dawn was breaking. Well, how do you feel, old chap? Oh, terrible. Bathe your face in some seawater, it'll help. Where are we? Four hours out from Dieppe. Four hours? What a crack on the head that must have been. Yes, I was terrified for a moment you were dead. Oh, what happened? Well, two or three of Jean's friends heard the fight. Soon after you'd been knocked out, they joined in on our side. Lombard and company took to their heels. You're, you're sure it was Lombard? I had the pleasure of breaking his jaw. I hope. Tony, the necklace. It's gone. Yes, I know. I slipped through your clothes. So Lombard did so. Apparently he guessed. That's why chest is all this way. Do you think we should go back for it? Oh, we wouldn't have a chance at a million. No, oh, I suppose you're right. Well, what are we going to tell Bouvelet? Well, the truth, of course. That we failed? I'm not going to look forward to that. Well, neither am I, but it must be done, I'm afraid. If this wind holds, we should be in London by tomorrow night. So, there you are, General. That's the whole story. We did our best, but it wasn't quite good enough. We're both desperately sorry, sir. Sorry? What for? Having let you down for having failed. But that is where you are wrong, my friends. You did not fail at all. Oh, it was certainly what you call a, a near thing, but you did exactly what I hoped and knew you would do. I don't understand. Ah, to an old soldier, it is simple. Your task was to draw off the main attack and allow the assault troops to strike unimpeded. What? You fulfilled that task admirably. I'm, I'm afraid I don't follow. Nor I. Oh, there are many covetous and dishonest people in the world, gentlemen. So when you have a valuable necklace, you take the precaution, if you are wise, to have made also a paste imitation. This I did at the time the necklace was presented to my wife. When I was forced to flee France, I hid the real necklace beneath a certain tree in the grounds of the chateau. And the paste one behind the panel? Oh, precisely. When I sent Laurent with you, it was with instructions to recover the real necklace. Oh, but why? Oh, if all went well and our visit aroused no suspicions, we'd return to England with both the real and the paste jewels. Correct. Whereas, on the other hand, if anything were to go wrong, suspicion would center on Tony and myself rather than Laurent. Correct again. And you, gentlemen, being young and men of action, would have a, would have a much better chance of escape than poor Laurent. Silence, Laurent! Yes, General. And did Laurent, in fact, manage to find and bring back the real necklace? Look for yourselves, gentlemen. Uh, 
Is it not beautiful? And was it not worth the risk? Worth it a dozen times over. Tony. Yes, Beckley? From now on, you take your orders from the general. <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen, uh, so that I may fulfill a certain obligation. Oh, what's that? Uh, you will remember when I promised you that if the necklace was recovered, I would make to your league of the Scarlet Pimpinel a small donation. Uh, yes. You will remember, too, that I had been offered for it by an English gentleman a hundred thousand pounds. Uh, yes, indeed. I have to tell you that the necklace has been sold and paid for, and that I am now able to honor my promise. This... Uh, this small piece of paper is a draft on the Bank of England. You will accept it, please, as a small token of my gratitude. Thank you, General. Very kind of... Good Lord. Do you really mean that? I most certainly do. What's going on? Look at it for yourself. Huh? We'll be able to cheat the guillotine of a lot of victims with this. A hundred thousand pounds. 